Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. This is Mary Kate Cabot. And Scott Pasco. And this is another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're going to do something that we haven't done for a while. We're going to go on the clock with a number of Browns topics. So we're going to spend about five minutes on each topic. I'm going to set the timer on my phone. You're going to hear it go off. Uh, when it goes off, we're done talking about it. You're going to think that your iPhone alarm is going off, so I apologize for that, but we're doing it anyway. And what we're going to start with today is we're going to have a little bit of fun with the Browns and the potential opener, uh, playing a bunch of primetime games. So here we go. First topic, uh, ideal opener for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we know that they're going to have a lot of primetime games this year, but when you guys kind of look at the schedule, look at potential opponents, um, I guess let's start with this. What is your ideal opener for the Browns? Where, where do you want to be and who do you want it to be against, Mary Kay? You know what? I think that I would like to see them play an AFC North rival. I think that that would be way more uh, fun for the fans than than them playing the Jets or something historic like that. You know, people are talking about the first Monday Night Football game and all that, uh, you know, in this 100-year anniversary. But I think, you know, pick it right up where you left off in the season finale with them losing to the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens winning the AFC North on that last play by C.J. Mosley. I think that the Browns should try to pick it up right there, flip the script, and get this thing rolling in the other direction. I'm going to say Browns-Steelers in Cleveland on Sunday night of the first week. I think that's what you want to open with. The Steelers have been hearing all offseason about how they're declining, and if any team wants to prove that they are still the power. I know they didn't win the, the division, but, you know, the, the traditional power in the in the division is the Steelers and to take the Browns down a notch. So I think there's good rivalry there. Obviously, the Steelers and the Browns, but just there's so much more adds to that. And I think, I know they've, I think it's three of the last five years they've, they've been open against each other, including the last two. So, mm-hmm. I mean, make it three in a row, and, and this is, yep. I think that's the best way to open up. I, I like the Brown. I like the Browns-Ravens idea. That, that's one that I was going to say. A lot of people have thrown around Browns-Patriots on Sunday night, yep. and I don't love that. I kind of want the Browns to open in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that if fans really thought about it, I think they, they kind of would too, because there's so much hype around this team. And do you really want to just, you know... Go over to your local bar or sit in your man cave or whatever and, and watch the Browns open. Or no, people want to go to the Muni lot and they want to tailgate and they want to maybe uh, skip out of work early on that Monday or something to watch that Monday night game. So I'd love to see them open in Cleveland, be around that environment. 
Um, I love the idea of the Ravens. The Jets doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a rivalry they're kind of trying to create because of the Baker-Sam Darnold thing, but I think you just kind of have to let that develop organically if it's going to. I don't, I don't like the idea of maybe forcing that Browns-Jets on a Monday night. That doesn't do a lot for me. No, I mean, there's, there's no, you know what I mean? There, there's, nothing, there's no excitement between those two teams right now. I mean, yeah. I think you need to start this thing off with a bang, and it's got to be either, like you said, the Steelers, or like we're saying, the Ravens. I would definitely go that way. Although I think uh, I'm concerned about, uh, can the Browns fans handle it if they have a primetime <laughs> game in week one and they have to spend all day kind of just getting into a lather <laughs> over <laughs> what this game is going uh, to mean? Browns fans could definitely handle working yeah. themselves up into a lather. That's, yeah. uh, that's something we know. And Although I will say this, from a competitive standpoint, maybe you do want the Patriots week one. I don't know. They're usually more more vulnerable early in the season. But that's on you the road. You could get them on ring night. That's on the road. That's yeah. true. Do you really want Freddie Kitchens? First game without Gronk. First game. Yeah. yeah. But do you want really want them going into Foxborough for their first game against the defending Super Bowl champion Patriots? And Bill Belichick having all <laughs> that time yeah. to prepare for Baker Mayfield and study all that film and try to figure out how to uh, manage him and all of his weapons. After all the issues or troubles they've had winning that opener for so long, was it 12, 13 years? Yeah. Whatever it is. I think beating the Steelers in week one, I think that's how you... You exercise that demon and, and kind of put that to rest, you know? That is that is kind of, and we're going to get into the AFC North here in a minute, but that is sort of the thing I've been saying. Like, I need to see this team beat the Steelers. I, You know, I think they have a chance to be better than the Steelers, but it's hard for me to sit here in March and be like, yeah, the Browns are better than the Steelers when they just they haven't beaten them in forever. I just need to see them beat the Steelers, and it would be good for the fan base, good for the team to kind of come out in week one and, how many times have they opened against the Steelers and it's been just a colossal disappointment? Just last year when they tied the Steelers. It would be good, I think, for the fan base to get to go to First Energy Stadium and, and see them play the Steelers and Big Ben and you know their first game without Antonio Brown and finally get that win. Speaking of teams that always start slow, finally get that win over the Steelers. Well, I will say this, that um, Freddie Kitchens at the NFL owners meetings breakfast he was at a table right next to bill belichick and i kind of pointed over that way and i'm like so you know how would you feel about facing that guy in the opener he was like you know the whole time he was like i'm not afraid of anything basically you know bring it on that was his philosophy okay well our timer is about to go off so let's go ahead and you ready here it is there it is there's our timer uh let's go ahead and get into our second topic and let's talk about the um the afc north because mm-hmm. uh mary Kay, you talked to john harbaugh yeah. And, of course, the head coach of the Ravens, and he admitted that the Browns were, well, tell us exactly what he said. You, well, were, you were right there. You got the quote out of him. Tell us exactly what he well, said. Well, you know what? It was kind of cool. It was the end of the breakfast. They give us about one hour to sit with each of these coaches. But there are 32 coaches in this room, and you really kind of have to sit with uh, the head coach of the football team that you cover for that whole time, because how do you know that, you know, at the very end, he's not going to say, oh, Odell's not showing up for day one of the offseason program or whatever. So you really have to stick with your guy. But once Freddie got up, uh, I looked over and John Harbaugh was still sitting there. And so I went over to him and he was basically pretty much done with his breakfast and he may have just been kind of chit-chatting with some of his guys a little bit. And so I, you know, whipped out the phone like we have to do these days. And, and I just asked him, you know, what do you think of the Cleveland Browns? Uh, now that Odell is here. And he um, 
you know, first of all, he just, you know, he, he looked a little tiny bit <laughs> tired or annoyed of like, you know, hearing about Browns, Browns, Browns. And I think that that's going to be something that the Browns are going to have to be aware of this oh, year. Yeah. Yeah. That, the you know, everybody's going to be gunning for them. Everybody's going to be sick of hearing about this. I think John Harbaugh's already getting a little defensive about, you know, those Cleve- those great, mighty Cleveland Browns. <laughs> so he was like, well, I guess, you know, we're just going to have to come up with a defense that can stop them, you know. And then, then he said, uh, you know, then he went on to say, there's no question uh, that they are the most talented team in the division. But he said, but that's right now. Mm-hmm. And he said, it doesn't, you know, the ta- basically he's trying to say the most talented team in the division doesn't necessarily win the division. And there was a little bit of a watch out factor uh, when, when he talked to me. You can see that video on cleveland.com. Uh, there's, a, there's a story up with that on there, too. And I think Scott's going to be writing a little bit more about that as we go along. Yeah, well, I mean, just look to last year. I mean, how, how many years have the Steelers been the most talented team in the division? Mm-hmm. And last year, even without Le'Veon Bell, they were probably the most talented team in the division, at least mm-hmm. offensively. And lo and behold, they didn't even make the playoffs. Lost so, a lot of close games. Yeah, so, you know, you've it, it's this big collective thing, right? It's not just can you beat the Steelers or can you beat the Ravens. It's like the Steelers went to Oakland and lost to the Raiders in, in a really important moment. And, mm-hmm. You know, the Browns lost to the Raiders earlier in the year. You've got to win those games you're supposed to win, mm-hmm. which can be difficult when you're a team with a target on your back. So, you know, look, you kind of go through position by position like Scott's going to do, and you can make the case for the Browns at a number of positions now. I think going back to real quick to what you said about, uh, okay, about what the Browns kind of having a target, mm-hmm. I, it reminds me of when Johnny Manziel was here. Yeah. Everybody wanted to sack him so they could do the money sign, you know? It's kind of like a whole team-wide version of that now, you know? Everybody is going to want to take down the Browns because that's all. they're the most popular team to talk about in the NFL right now. Right. Um, As far as the Browns being the most talented team, I think it's universally accepted that the Browns are better than Bengals, right? Mm -hmm. Are they better than the Ravens? I mean, everybody's basing it on on, on Mosley going and and most of that front seven, uh, Weddle. Uh, replace so, Cardell Thomas, but still you're losing yeah. that. Questions with Lamar Jackson. So they split, I don't know. But the Steelers, I know, like you've said, you want to see them beat the Steelers, Dan. The Steelers had eight Pro Bowlers last year. And I know the Pro Bowl isn't like the end-all, be-all. Every year there's a team that's pretty bad that has like five or six Pro Bowlers, and you're like, what the heck. But they had eight Pro Bowlers, and only one of them isn't coming back. You mm-hmm. know, And that's Antonio Brown. Connor, James Connor was was a Pro Bowler. Yeah. Juju Smith-Juster was, was a Pro Bowler. So. Yeah. They 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 re-signed and or extended uh, a couple key players on their offensive line. So mm-hmm. you know, T.J. Watt's still there. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to kind of take a dive in to see in how this looks position by position because Harbaugh said that, but you know maybe yeah. he wants to throw something out there and on the bulletin board so that <laughs> you know more yeah. people start going after the Browns. Well, it, there was definitely an edge to the way that, you know, that he was saying it. He, you know, it was basically like, and, and at another point in his, in the, at the breakfast, he said something like, um, you know, it's about winning those games and that's what we plan to do. So, I mean, I think it's really taking up the energy a lot in the AFC North. And I think it's going to be really bring out the best in the, uh, in the Steelers and the Ravens oh, to yeah. know that everybody is all about the Cleveland Browns right now. I, th- I think it's just... Uh, adding so much to what's going on in this division. And, you know, Big Ben has been hearing all offseason about how bad of a teammate he is yeah. and, and all of that. And so, you know, if, if 
ever also, there was a year when he was going to come back motivated, <laughs> this could be it. And the Steelers have a great offensive line. They lost their offensive line coach, but they have a great yeah. offensive line. We are yeah. out of time. Scott, I'll give you like one extra sec- second here. Cause I was going to say, say everybody's been here, and he's been hearing about how old he is, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, starting the clock on our next topic. So let's talk about the Browns' talent and how Freddie Kitchens is going to handle it. We've, we've touched on this here and there, but now it's real because all these guys are going to be showing up uh, for the offseason program next week. Odell Beckham should be there. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry's going to be there. Everything's great in spring. Everything goes well in the spring. But at some point, Freddie Kitchens is going to be tested because somebody's not going to be getting the touch as they want. The Browns might be on a three-game losing streak, and, you know, things start to turn a little bit here and there. Um, Freddie's biggest test is going to be handling these big personalities. He joked that he's a big personality. He actually kind of is. We saw it last week. He was sort of the star. He made all sorts of media appearances and all of that. But he's kind of the big question mark in all of this. So, um, Scott, do you, I mean, do you kind of have faith that Freddie can step in and handle these guys? I think so. Um, I think some of the whole big personality thing is overblown or maybe it's we think a big personality, but really what we're talking about is a player who maybe is upset about something, um, and, and, he, and he's got to deal with it. You know, last year, he was asked about uh, Baker Mayfield's uh, comments about Hugh, mm-hmm. and he kind of stood stood up for him. Mm-hmm. He kind of punted on the uh, social media situation where Baker called Hugh fake, you know, saying he didn't hadn't seen it. Maybe he had, maybe he hadn't. Maybe that's how he's going to deal with that when, when we ask him questions about that kind of thing, but... I think that's really what we're talking about. And, and the fact that a lot of these big personalities on the team are on offense, mm-hmm. I think, helps Freddie because that's what he has a bigger handle on. He's more in charge of that side of the ball and has more direct influence on the decisions that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, I think, I think he'll do okay. I think it's kind of interesting, though, how everybody looked at Hugh as, as being the friendly players coach. And I think, isn't Freddie the same mm-hmm. kind of oh. thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious at what point maybe he gets criticized for that, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think that, um, that sometimes also when you talk about a big personality, like you, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. that they're unhappy about things, Jarvis in Miami was unhappy about Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. And yeah. Odell in New York was unhappy about Eli. Here, they have Baker Mayfield. Not only do they have each other, but they have a quarterback that can get them the ball anywhere on the field. And as long as you can keep your big personality receivers happy getting the ball, getting the ball deep, scoring touchdowns, suddenly, you know, they're not disgruntled anymore. And they're very happy people. And you have to keep your diva receivers very happy. (laughs) And I think they will be. Also, you've got Adam Henry helping out Freddie Kitchens. He doesn't have to do this all by himself. You've got Adam Henry who has coached these guys since they were pups. Well, actually, tigers, since they were little tiger cubs at LSU. So he knows all about Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. And those guys will have each other. They'll be pushing each other. They've got Baker. Baker can keep uh, these guys in line because Freddie's going to have a lot on his plate this year, okay? this is He is not just the interim offensive coordinator anymore. He's going to have 27 people in his office every day asking him about things mm-hmm. that – he doesn't even really know the answer to yet. So he's going to need help. He's going to get it from Adam Henry. He's going to get it from Todd Munkin. And then on the other side of the ball, he's going to get it from Steve Wilkes, who has been a head coach, and he will know all those things that Freddie Kitchens has on his plate this year, and I think he'll be a tremendous help. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I, the, you bring up the Ryan Tannehill thing. You probably remember last spring, you know, Jarvis 
made that comment to me about how the Browns had the best quarterbacks he's had in yeah. the NFL. And they yeah. kind of blew up. And like, oh, how could you say that about Ryan Tannehill? Well, now he's got Baker Mayfield throwing him the ball and Ryan Tannehill's in Tennessee right. as a backup. So yeah. Jarvis kind of gets vindicated in all of that. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really going to be about if the team is doing well, mm-hmm. if the team is winning, if the offense is scoring a ton of points and guys are getting the football, they're going to be happy. Winning can cover up a lot of things for you know a stretch. Now, at some point, things are going to boil over whether you're winning or not. But um, as long as Baker is uh, Baker is the leader he's supposed to be, and you know Freddie's able to kind of keep distributing the ball and, and keeping guys happy, and they're winning, it's going to go great. The test for Freddie's going to come again at some point. Whether it's this year or two years from now or four years from now, the Browns are going to go. The Browns are going to lose a game they they shouldn't lose. That's going to hurt their chances to win a division or make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to go on a three-game losing streak. Or they're going to start the year one and three mm-hmm. when they have these Super Bowl expectations. And that's going to be the test for Freddie Kitchens. How does he handle those moments? We haven't seen that yet. We saw him when the Browns went five and three and, and finished with seven wins. We've got to see him in those adverse times. And. They have, again, in that last eight games, they did not beat a winning team. No. And there are a lot of good teams on this schedule, a lot of good quarterbacks they're going to face. Oh, you got that shot one, off right before the one, buzzer. Go ahead. One, one overtime comment. I think the, 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 a big potential for conflict is, is the Kareem Hunt-Nick Chubb uh, dynamic and how he handles carries. I think that's, yeah. that might be where you, you get into the uh, personality disgruntled player thing. Yeah. Potentially. We, you know, it might work out, but I think... That's something you got to think about halfway through the year. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Our last topic, we're going to cover a multitude of things. Uh, changes or non-changes that are coming. So mm-hmm. the first change, of course, is the uniforms. Um, I don't know that any of us are really super passionate about the uniforms necessarily. Um, I'm semi-interested in that stuff, but it doesn't really do a lot for me. Uh, but the Browns are going to get new uniforms. Um I kind of advocate for just going back to the ones they had before the uh, the year they started seven and four or whatever. What I'm what I'm really thinking about is Mary Kay. I know you were there, but that that big uniform reveal they did when you had Dwayne Bow up on the stage. I think Taylor <laughs> Gabriel was up there. Um, I can't Dante remember. Whitner. Yeah, yeah, and they put a couple offensive linemen up there. And offensive linemen yes. never look good in uniforms. <laughs> you can't do that, especially if they're the white uniforms. Um, yeah, Dante Whitner. Just don't do that again. Whatever you do with the uniforms, don't rent out the convention center and do a big uniform reveal. Please. I'm sure they will, but like, just just don't. Yeah. Oh, I, I think they will. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's happening. So the time frame here is uh, when we talked to Dee Haslam at the owners' meetings, uh, she has not seen an actual uniform prototype yet, uh, but she has seen the drawings. She says, we think we've gotten it right this time. Uh, they've listened to the players. They've listened to fans. Uh, the numbers will be, I think, easier to read. The uniforms will still be simple. And uh, I think they'll be a little bit, you know, a throwback to what people have liked in the past. They're very cognizant of what fans want to see and enjoy. And, um, and I, I think they'll fit in with the whole Cleveland Browns tradition. I think the the people who complain about the uniforms, I think it's kind of like the they're they're the loudest of the bunch. But I don't. How many people really care about that? I mean, how well does Baker's jersey sell sell right now? It's pretty good. And Odell's you know jerseys are flying off the rack. So yeah. I don't know. I think you go back to something simple though. Any sort of like three D weird looking number <laughs> is I think should be off the table. And you know, like we could see it from the press box. Then yeah, we get a thumbs up <laughs> yes. for how good the number is. But exactly. keep it simple. 
you know, I think I'd like to see them do something where they bring back some of the old school type throwback jerseys for a week. The Browns have never really done that, you know. Yeah. They got the new uniforms and they've kind of stuck with that. They did the color rush thing, but they've never gone and showed up with 1979, you know, Browns jerseys. I think fans would probably get a kick out of that. Yep. Seeing some of the different eras, but uh, yeah, keep it simple. Um, I never really cared about the Browns name on the side of the pants. A lot of people had a problem with that. I don't know, but I don't like it. it it's, I don't know, it's... Now you're coming up with all like sorts it. of uniform... We can, you know what, maybe I do, do have, some, maybe I do have <laughs> some hot uniform takes. We're not going to get into that right now. Uh, the uh, non-change. Uh, let's talk about training camp. I, I feel like this sort of got brushed under the rug a little bit because yeah. we had stadium things, which we'll get to, um, But and then the uniforms. Training camp is going to stay in Berea. There was some thinking that when the Haslam's got involved with the crew... And there was going to be a complex built down in Columbus that maybe the Browns would move training camp down to Columbus. That's always sort of been out there since the Haslam's bought the team. Um, It's not unique. I mean, listen, the Houston Texans train in West Virginia. The Cowboys train in California. Uh, Teams don't normally train in at their facility. They usually go elsewhere. You know, there are teams that do like the Browns, but the Browns are going to keep things in Berea for the foreseeable future. Which I think is good. I mean, I think it's great for fans, obviously. It's obviously great for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like the right thing to do with this football team. It would be weird if they had their training camp, you know, in Columbus or, or someplace else. Yeah, you know, they said they made a long-term commitment to Berea. And uh, they feel that this is the best for the fans. This is the best thing for the players. And uh, and I agree with that. I mean, it's an opportunity for fans now to come out and watch Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield in in practice. A lot of these people cannot actually go to a game. You can come out, you can get autographs and things like that. So I, I definitely think that it's the right thing to do, and I'm glad we're not talking about going to Columbus. Yeah, when you look at the backlash they got uh, when they talked about that when their team was doing so poorly, yeah, to do that now I think would, would harm things. And plus they're going to be so popular now if they're worried about Making sure they got that Columbus market, I don't think that's going to be a problem. No. You know. And it's not a, I mean, look, Columbus is two hours down I-71. You know, I think a lot of people come up from Columbus anyway. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to them deciding, hey, you know what, let's just do this in Columbus. Let's get away from Berea for three weeks or whatever. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, but I think having it in Berea is good for kind of all involved. We're going to add a little, oh, go ahead. They're going to Indianapolis for three days, too. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're bringing back the joint practices, something they did with Tampa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, that sort of has been replacing preseason games in a lot of yeah. ways. Obviously, there's still the four preseason games, but I think coaches tend to prefer that. Two minutes here because there's one other thing to talk about. And, like, there's not a lot of, of meat on this bone for us necessarily, but the, the Haslam's did also commit to keeping the stadium on the lake. Uh, there was some talk that maybe there would be a, comp, you know, sort of a – a complex of sorts, but where you'd have the stadium and then development around it, maybe downtown or something like mm-hmm. that. But it, it sounds like it's going to stay at the lake for, for again, the foreseeable future. Um, and they're going to try and make some changes there and develop around that. So, uh, you know, again, that seems like a good thing. I always hate the idea of building new stadiums in, in this day and age, especially when it comes to public money. So, you know, do what you can with that stadium. Maybe make that finally the thing that helps develop the lakefront, although we've been saying that forever and ever. But I, I think that's probably a good thing, too. 
Well, I think they're very serious about developing the lakefront and being part of it. I, in fact, asked Dee, do you guys feel like you can be at the forefront of lakefront development? And they really believe uh, that they can contribute, and they've got the money to do it as well. So I, I think they'll be part of that. I even asked them about Burke Lakefront Airport. Those two were divided on that. Jimmy wants it to stay where it is because he likes uh, the convenience. <laughs> it's not too far from where they live. Uh, so they were joking around about that a little bit. Uh, Dee would like to you know, see... Uh, more going on down on the lakefront in that area. Uh, in, in terms of the dome, uh, sh- they don't seem to think that fans want it. They don't think it has the Cleveland vibe they're looking for uh, from a football game. They want the fans seem to want to gut it out and, and deal with the elements. Uh, but I think that's something that they will explore as they go forward. Yeah, it's 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 weird to have the most popular sports franchise in the city this long walk away from everything else. Yeah, you know. And, and it's right. I, hopefully, they, they do build it up around there. Uh, they, there's just it's just kind of out there by itself. You right. know, you drive down to the game in the morning, you just see all these people walking. Whereas, you know, with with Jacob or Progressive Field, I almost said Jacob's Field, uh, <laughs> in the queue, everything's kind of right there, and and there's just a lot around it, easy right. to get to, and so so I, I get the idea of wanting to make that better. Yep. All right. So that'll do it for our Orange and Brown Talk on the Clock uh, podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, any place you get your podcasts. Leave us some ratings, too, uh, in that Apple Podcasts app. We love to get ratings. Good ratings. Don't don't leave us the bad ones. Just you know, Oh, go ahead. One more thing to add. Uh, if anyone would like to get uh, texts from me oh, yes. sent directly to their phone, uh, we have something going on now called Project Text. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find it on cleveland.com. You can see it at, a lot, at the end of a lot of our stories. Uh, but, in, you know, you can go on there and you can find the link to that. And we'll put it, can we put it at the end of this podcast yes. too? We can put a blurb about that mm-hmm. at the end of this podcast. Um, but if you're interested, it's just little insider opinions, analysis, tidbits of information and different things as we go along. So uh, sign up and give it a try. Yeah, Mary Kay's doing it. So is Paul Hoynes, Doug mm-hmm. Maurice. Yeah. Uh, Chris Fedor, so all our beats covered. Uh, you, can, you can sign up for texts from all of the beat writers. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, for Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan, and we'll talk to you next time.